A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. After his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, to protect protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished his every test, he departed from the Lord until an opportune time. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, our job as uh, preachers up here is to try to reflect back on the gospel and on the epistle, which you just heard. I could give you a quiz on it right now, and of course you would know it perfectly. But I'll just share a few little thoughts that I had when I looked at it earlier in the week. 
You know, that gospel is, is fascinating. Here you have Jesus coming in from the desert where he was for 40 days and 40 nights, which in sort of Aramaic Hebrew terminology means a long time. So he was out there for a while. He did not pack a lunch. So he didn't have anything to eat out there. And the devil shows up and says, well, hey, you must be pretty hungry. Why don't you turn these rocks into loaves of bread and then you'll have something to eat? And Jesus says, no, I don't think so. Then he says, well, you know, uh, being the power of evil and all, uh, this is something we know very well. I control all politics. (laughs) So I control all the kingdoms and empires of the world. And uh, how'd you like to take over for me and how'd you like to run them? And Jesus says, thanks, but no thanks. Luke puts it a little fancier than that, but that's what he said. And then finally says, okay, I'll tell you what. Angelic powers, how's that? Magic, how's that? I will take you up to the tippy top of the temple and throw you off. And because you're the son of God, you'll conjure up angels and they will come from everywhere and they will catch you. You will have flown. No thanks, says Jesus. Well, let's go back over those for a minute, and I'll, I'll revisit them more in, in, uh, in a moment or two. But if you stop and think about it, the bread, the rocks, represent material things, and I'll give you domination over all material things, including these rocks, which I'll turn into bread, which you can turn into sandwiches. The political power, we've just been through an election cycle. We know more about that than we really want to know. But we know that that uh, gets tinged, shall we say, with a great deal of emotion uh, on one side and on the other. And um, that can be fraught with power issues. And thirdly, the whole notion of flight and magic and all of that... um, those are three kind of very big things. The, the devil is kind of covering the whole waterfront there and offering it to Jesus, and Jesus says, no thanks. Now let's move on for a minute to the epistle, to the letter to the Romans from Paul. And Paul says, he starts out by saying, the word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. Well, I was tempted to go look up the word, word, in my good old uh, Greek dictionary, Greek New Testament. And I looked it up because I was hoping against hope that it wasn't logos, that it was another word. And it was, it was, thank goodness, the, the word that Paul used was the kind of word that we might use for an expression like uh, waste not, want not, or stitch in time saves nine, or you know, sayings like that that we might know. That's what Paul is referring to. So the word is near you on your lips and in your heart may very well have been an expression that people in the early church knew and that they would share with one another, particularly in times of of adversity. And it must have been an early church saying or motto of one kind or another. 
But the bottom line is that Paul's getting across here is that Jesus is Lord, raised from the dead by God, and because of that, we are saved. What does that mean? Essentially what it means is that God is here and we are here and if we are saved we synchronize over here with the good, with God, with creation. Okay? The opposite of that is also true in that we are here and over here and evil is over here. We could synchronize with that which would be really different than being synchronized over here. So that's what Paul is getting at, is that because of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, we are in sync with the Godhead. We are, in a word, saved. And he also, then here's the scandalous part. I mean, this is the part that got the congregation buzzing for sure. By the way, he says, that includes everybody. Jews, Gentiles, everybody is welcome into this synchronous relationship. Oh, oh no. Not them, each side would say. Not them for sure. Yeah, them, us, we are in this relationship. So that's what Paul is talking about in the letter to the Romans. Well, let me go back a little bit to our our dear brother Satan here. One of the best things that evil has ever done, I shouldn't say best, I should say successful. One of the most successful points that evil has done is saying, ha ha, I don't exist. I'm not real. I'm not here. There's no such thing as me. Au contraire, ma petite, you might add. Evil, any of you ever watch the news in the evening? (laughs) Fellow sufferers? I can see many of you don't. You are well. (laughs) You must be outpatients. Good for you. But if you look at the news, if one were to look at the news in a weak moment, you would see such evidence of evil in the world, not only in our dear, fair Bay Area, but everywhere, where people are shooting each other and killing each other and robbing each other. And, hey, what about the lady? What about the woman? We won't say lady. What about the woman down in San Diego who embezzled a billion bucks? I mean, she makes Madoff look, well, he did in the billions too but I mean she she wanted to break into the big leagues of evil and she did amazing amazing to me but you see the power of the evil is of evil is everywhere it's almost gets better press than the power of good you almost never see for example examples of the power of good I'll give you a good, you want to feel good about yourselves? I'll give you a really good example of the power of good. In, uh, in a bit, uh, Steve's going to make some announcements, and one of them, or somebody's going to make an announcement about Easter baskets, right? Coming up, right? Easter baskets? 
Where a lot of those Easter baskets go is to an agency that I'm very, very involved with in West Marin called West Marin Senior Services. And you, uh, I wish you could tag along to see the impact, that's the only word I can think of, the impact that those baskets have on those seniors to whom they're delivered. I mean, a lot of these seniors live independently out on these ranches and the other than the kind of contact that we give them through West Marine Senior Services. And I'm talking 350 seniors. I'm not talking three or four. You know, we support a very large independent group. So when he gives you the pitch for baskets, listen up, okay? It's a good chance to do some good in the world. Okay, let's go back and take a look. You look at bread, Wonderful material things, secular power, we see lots of examples of that, and magic are still very, very powerful temptations. You and I, how do you and I get tempted? Oh, not me, my dear. Oh, yes, my dear. All of us, all of us are tempted all of the time. I'll give you some examples where this happens. Any of you happen to drive cars? Any of you tempted to wickedness when you're behind the wheel? Yes. Just as a warning, there was an angel of the Lord in a black and white car parked right here at the intersection this morning, keeping an eye on all of us. But driving, sure, we do stuff all the time. We either speed or we go too fast or we get angry with another driver or we do one thing and another wicked thing. Tempted. Okay. Another one that you run into, those of us that are employers and who employ people see this all the time, unfortunately, but handling money. Sometimes that temptation is too much. Sometimes people forget what is theirs and what is the business's and what is, you know, what belongs where. And the temptation sometimes gets to be too much. How about allocating resources? Well, I'll just allocate them to my good friend Chuck over here, and we'll let the other people, they can fend for themselves over there. We won't do that. Or Don, we'll, we'll give a little bit to Don down here because he's such a good guy. And That's wicked. It's not fair. And it probably is counter to the rules which you have set up within your organization. How about Waste. Don't tell me you don't waste stuff, because we all do. You know, one of the things, let's take the environment, for example. My neighbors and I, every year, we go out and we walk around the reservoir out in Nicasio. You all know where that is? Okay. We pick up a pile of stuff that's like, you take the first six pews here. See this square here? The pile is that big on the bottom and over eight feet tall of stuff that we pick up that's just come in the last year. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, you wouldn't believe the stuff that is there. Old clothes and shoes and car batteries and car engines and uh, the odd fender and 
lots of styrofoam and plastic and stuff, just stuff. Stuff. What do they think that is? We put that reservoir, which is your drinking water, by the way, not ours. We put that reservoir there so you can put all your junk around it. Is that what it's there for? No. But there's a tempting thing. I'll just, I'm out in the country now. I'll just throw this out the window. Nobody will know. Tempt, tempt, tempt. You know, another one of my real favorites is um, cutting corners, where people cut corners on work. They do shoddy work. They put in less time or they put in less effort or less materials than are contracted for. Or they just flat out cheat. What about, this one just absolutely gets me, what, and this is recent too, what about the kids back at Harvard in a government class who cheated on the final exam? Well, the irony was when the news was reporting on this at Harvard, of all places, you all know Harvard's motto, you know, it was red, just got the fancy stuff on it, then it has a Latin word, Anybody remember what the Latin word? I know we have some Harvard graduates here somewhere. Veritas, which means truth. truth. Yes. Kind of ironic, huh? We have all these kids, 125 of them or so, who are cheating on this exam, and there's the crest behind them at the news conference with Veritas on it. Love it. Lent where we are now in the church year and it's a good time to review our lives and to face up to our failings and to make plans to resolve these things positively. Chiefest among them is our attitude. Our attitude. Our attitude can be positive and uplifting and helpful or it can be toxic. You probably get feedback on your attitude all the time from your loving partner or dear friends or trusted colleagues. And of course, like the rest of us, you ignore it. But you might listen to some of that wisdom that comes across because our attitude is something no one can change but us. And that's a good thing to start working on. You know, you and I are tempted all the time. The question is, who tempts us? We think we tempt ourselves, but there's this little voice in there. We tempt ourselves. How do we handle this? How do we handle this kind? I mean, if you're not being tempted about something, you're not alive. Let's start there. The question is, how do you handle it? What resources do we have to meet these kind of challenges. How do we reinforce being in sync over here with God? How do we reinforce that? The one question I might ask is, do we have personal positive goals for ourselves about who we want to be on this planet? Or do we just get up in the morning, set our brain on lurch, and go through the day? You know, faith, which Paul talks about, faith is not blind belief. Faith is trust. 
Trust in a loving God with the power of the Holy Spirit always accessible and open to us. If you want to know how that works, here's a little homework assignment for you. If you have a hymnal at home, look up hymn 503. If you don't, you can look up, what would we decide, Lenore, uh, come Holy Ghost? Yeah, look, type in Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost in, uh, in Google. Because I'll tell you what this is. It is an incantation to conjure up the Holy Spirit. It is so cool. It's actually, by the way, a little homework for you. It's what the cardinals are going to chant when they go into the Sistine Chapel to elect their new leader. But hymn number 503. Some of you are going to sneak a peek right now, I can tell. You want me to name you? I can see you out here. (laughs) Oh, my All right, have a holy and useful Lent. Embrace the Holy Spirit as Jesus did. Notice that the first sentence of our gospel this morning, which you have in your programs, was Jesus, full of the Spirit, went out in the desert. Our lives can be deserts too. It's up to us with God's help and the power of the Spirit to redeem them, to buy them back, to be strong, and always, of course, to call on the Holy Spirit for help. Amen. Amen.